that is the howl of the wolves, and not me, in the background, of podcast number 13, coming to you live from Alaska. Wild times. Jordan, tell us uh, about the mentality shift that you had. When, uh, Why did you put a U in yeah. there? Because that's, <laughs> that's how you said it. It's on rec- record. It's not. I, let's, Forrest let's wind it back. not say that. You, <laughs> you said, said mentality. <laughs> What's up, everybody? How's it going? At Forrest Galante here, your host, joined today by Mr. Peter Fitzer, who's in a tank top and looking particularly disgusting over Zoom. Nice. And uh, what's up, Pete? How you feeling? I'm good. You look great. Your eyes are ravishingly blue. Your hair looks fabulous. Uh, I <laughs> think, yeah, fantastic day. Great. I like the, the aesthetics of this so far. Um, and once once again, Mr. Patrick DeLuca. What's up, Pat? Hey, buddy. How's, uh, how... How is Alaska treating you so far? It's great, man. What a cool spot it is up here. Um, I, I will tell you that the guy that we're working with is a nightmare to deal with. And sure. I hope you can't hear me in the background because I am at his facility. But good Lord, is he difficult. Yeah. Um, but other than that, the setting, the area, the scenery, the wildlife, the water, it's cherry. We might all just need to move up to Alaska. Yeah, right. Uh, managed to avoid being attacked by any Alaskan brown bears so far, I take it? Well, I went to the Alaskan Bush Company, the only strip club in uh, Anchorage the first night, and nice. uh, there were a couple brown bears out to get me there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> nice. I'm nice. just kidding. What's the weather like out there uh, this time of year, Forest? No, you know, it's it's not great, but it's certainly a lot better than the rest of the year. I think if you're from Southern California like, like we are, then you think any weather is bad weather. Um, <laughs> True that. And... Yeah, in this case, it's uh, you know, it's not bad. It's a little drizzly. It's very gray. Um, it's it's getting highs in the low fifties and and lows in the high thirties. So uh, a little little nippy, a little nippy, um, especially when you're putting on a wetsuit and getting under under the iceberg. But well, I'm not doing that, of course. Can't talk about that. Well, even though you're in the heart of Alaskan brown bear country, down here in Southern California, we've. We've got a lot of bear action going on. In, oh, yeah? We Tell me more. Yeah, so get this. Since quarantine started, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, different animal behaviors, animals coming out in droves, all sorts of rare creatures being spotted. In the L.A. area, eh, it's including Orange County, but in Southern California, since quarantine started, there have been three mountain lion attacks on humans. And then yesterday, wow. a couple days ago, a woman... A 19-year-old woman who fell asleep in her backyard, just lounging near L.A., woke up to a black bear standing over her that then started attacking her. No way. Jesus. In her yard. <laughs> in, in L.A.? Near L.A., like up near kind of Pasadena area. Wow. Serves her right for trying to relax in her own backyard during she a pandemic. She beat it off of her using her laptop that she'd fallen asleep while laptopping the way that millennials often do. <laughs> and she beat the black bear off of her with Lap that. Topping. Uh, it had scratched her a bunch and actually bit her too. Um, but whew, a lot of attacks going on. I'm really surprised by the mountain lion attacks. That's that's odd to me that there's like a wave yeah. of mountain lion attacks. I don't I don't think that just saying more people are hiking because gyms are closed. Ah, that that still doesn't seem right. Like it had been many years since the last mountain lion attack on a human in the area. I think. Being the biologist guy, I think it's more that with everybody being indoors for a while, those yeah. animals have relaxed enough to come more, encroach more on human habitats, like come into the streets and be a little more brazen and bold and, you know, hunting people's cats and dogs and just be more in a human environment. Mm-hmm. And now that the quarantines are being lifted, people are pushing back out. And so they're coming across these animals more, which is leading to more attacks, which I think will settle down very, very quickly. That makes a lot of sense. In fact, you've solved it. Thank you. <laughs> was that a murder mystery? There's, there's, Did we just do one? It turned out there really wasn't a mystery because you solved it in 12 seconds. Um, but that does make a ton of sense. I like that. So forests in an area uh, for, for one of our shoots, I am, I am not. I am still in Ithaca, ragefully jealous, even though I, I could have gone. Uh, <laughs> I do wish you were here. I do I'm not too. Gonna lie. It would be more fun. I really thank you, and I, I totally wish I was there because it is Prince William Sound is one of the most spectacular areas on earth. I mean, if it wasn't part of the U.S., I feel like Americans would travel from all you know would travel across the world to go there. But because it's in the U.S., it doesn't seem as exotic. Right. What are your thoughts? Totally agree. It's 
I completely agree. It is strikingly beautiful. So I've I've been up here to Alaska. You've been to exactly where we are yeah. in Prince William Sound, right, Patrick? Yep. Yeah. I've been to Alaska four times before and to a couple really cool areas way up north in the in the Bering Sea and out in the Aleutians and on the Kenai Peninsula um, on a bunch of glaciers. I've never been into the sound itself like where we are now. Mm-hmm. And it is, I mean, it should be one of the wonders of the world. Right. It is stunning up here. And also just the amount of wildlife. So like for Peter, you've never, have you been to Alaska? No, I haven't. It gets dark at 11.57 p.m. and I would kill myself. I'll never go, dude. It's weird. Yeah, you need a you need an eye mask for sure to sleep. It's mm-hmm. it's insane, man. I you know I I spent uh, a few different long chunks of time in Greenland where it never gets dark in the summer. Ugh. It's just sunlight all all, and it's so weird because you know the kids are out of school. So when you're in the cities, you know we would go to these long camps where we're there for two weeks, and then we'd have like four days in the cities that was just everyone sitting at bars for four days. Yeah, <laughs> so we would like wander out of these bars and. Greenlanders, uh, they like to drink quite a bit. So they, the bars don't really close. <laughs> and we would leave the bar, like, you know, there'd be like 20 of us leaving the bar at 3 a.m. Bright sunlight, or, you know, oh. 2 a.m., whatever. Yeah. Bright sunlight, and all the kids are out playing soccer. Little kids, five-year-olds. Oh, man. And, like, throwing rocks at you. That sounds terrible, dude. Ugh. It messes you up. It really does mess you up. And, they're, you know, they've done studies and stuff, but, I mean, it's it's obviously, you know, circadian rhythm is a huge... Problems with circadian rhythm in humans is a huge cause of depression. Mm. So in Greenland, where there's only 50,000 people, they live pretty healthy lifestyles. Actually, ev- they have no money stress there because every citizen gets a check from the government every month. Oh, um, man. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. The whole the whole country's on unemployment. <laughs> they are, but it's interesting. You know, they so they sell mining rights to a few different Russian companies to mine like rare earth elements and some other things, and they divvy mm-hmm. it up among the people, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like no money stress. It's beautiful there. Everyone's got a boat. But yet, by far, by far, by far, the highest suicide rate of anywhere in the world. Really? That is fucking yeah. Is it really? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> wow. I think, so, actually, I'm going to go, I'm not, a, I, this is not my field of science, but I did read something recently that uh, a lot of these wealthy Nordic and Scandinavian countries have a higher suicide rate. And what I find really interesting is they're also considered, you know, there's no poverty, there's, there's like, there's no problems in any of these countries. Like, they're not facing riots like we are and you know the pandemics hit them very mildly and they don't have all these social injustice issues and all the things that we have all the time mm-hmm. incredible so healthcare, why are they, wh- yeah. yeah yeah so why are all these rich people in these uh, like paradises of 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 human civilization so depressed and killing themselves and so i, I did a little googling on this once a couple of years ago just because i found it interesting and the most commonly accepted theory was their lack of vitamin D ah. from the sunshine actually affected their chemical balance of their brains, which gave them more depression. That, in combination with the fact that when you have nothing to worry about, that's that's like tangible and real, right. you kind of go into a depression. There's like nothing to strive for, right? Sure. Like everything's perfect. So society's perfect. There's no crime. There's no problems. There's no pollution. Like the world's great. So you go into like an internal depression trying to create your own problems. And when you combine those two factors, the lack of sunshine and vitamin D and these this like, I live in such a nice society that nothing's wrong, so everything's wrong. That's what leads to these high su- suicide rates, which I found really interesting. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a snotty 16-year-old in Beverly Hills who lives in a, a mansion and, you know, gets a Range Rover on their birthday, but yet they're constantly moping. Totally. 100% agree. I'll say just since it started getting <clears throat> nice out in LA and the pools open and shit and the beaches, because we were in the pandemic, like not going out, not doing anything. It was still gray out, cloudy. I've been out every day for the past couple weeks and the vitamin D thing, the sun thing, you can feel it. I mean, I felt it just recently, just to illustrate your point. Well, and the circadian rhythm thing I do think comes into it. I mean, you know, the Scandinavian countries are pretty far north. They do have big swings in the amount of daylight. So in the winter, that's, you know, barely daylight. And then in the summer, it's fucking light until midnight. Now, I I saw it referenced in a study where they're trying to figure out why so many uh, commercial airline pilots commit suicide, right? Mm. Um, they make a very high wage. Um, total number of hours isn't super high. I would imagine it's a high stress job, but because of the way that they schedule pilots' flights, um, 
their sleep gets fucked up and it's almost impossible for commercial airline pilots to have consistent sleep schedules. How do you survive so, then, Pat? Because we know you don't sleep. <laughs> you never I, sleep. I, that's true. And but I, the I'm sun, very happy, but the sun, actually. But that's <laughs> true. You are. But the sun is the same. Right. 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 I mean, isn't that a big part that's of it? True, We're yeah. talking about, yeah, natural, natural light cycles. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean... Shit, like Patrick, you and I have done it. When you go on one of these trips and you fly for 40 hours and then you get off and like you left in the oh. middle of the night and you arrive in the middle of the right. night or the middle of the day, whatever it is, and it's all fucked up and you want to be awake. Well, you're a fucking freak when it comes to sleep. Sure. But for me, when when you know, I want to be awake all night during the day and, and it's just like everything's messed up, I totally, I won't, I'm not, not a depressing person. Like I've never, don't think I've ever felt depression, but I totally get drained and miserable and like, it's just like life's not, good when you're fighting that constant jet lag feel uh, it yeah, does take terrible. a couple days to like feel the the joy of it's funny because like i feel like we we do that a lot you know we've traveled to some really remote places a lot of times it's like four flights with big layovers and when you finally get to where you're going you've barely slept and you're like all right let's just like get a couple beers and pass the fuck out even like the beers don't taste good <laughs> totally <You know>? totally <laughs> yeah. true Yeah, so I saw something in the news that was super interesting because I've been at the beach a lot and I've been seeing a lot of dolphins at the beach like every day. They're just hanging out near the shore-ish and you can see them and you can see them because they come up out of the water with their fin and then they go back down in and you're like, whoa, dolphins, and then you can kind of track them and follow them around. But there was some... I think you just did, I think you just did a haiku, by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah, I mean... Uh, but uh, there, there's some drone footage released of these finless porpoises that apparently are very hard to spot because they don't have mm-hmm. the fin forest. What's up with these things? So wait, they have don't have a dorsal fin? That's correct. Right. Whoa. Yeah. No, they're a fascinating animal, the finless porpoise. They're, they're, so they, they occur in a couple different areas in the Indo-Pacific, but around Hong Kong where this footage was filmed and I'm always kind of one thing I'm always keeping an eye on is footage of new animals filmed with drones because it's such a bread and butter for everything that we do Mm. Um, and finless porpoises are an incredible creature what they have on their back is a their back is shaped and streamlined in a way that you know you would maybe carve something to be aquadynamic so that they don't actually have to have that dorsal fin. They just have this very weird ridging that kind of flares out and down the way a submarine is shaped ah. on their back. And um, they're a very rare animal. You know, One of the reasons is being in the Indo-Pacific and occurring in areas like Hong Kong where there's a lot of pollution and typically a lot of marine mammal hunting, there's just not a lot of them around. So to get this remarkable footage of these finless porpoises... Um, you know, swimming in near Hong Kong too, which I think is fantastic, um, is is amazing. And I think once again, it 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 adds like a couple elements, right? One is the use of this technology in this new field, and I love you know the whole like kind of MacGyvering technology and repurposing it for wildlife science. And the other is the fact that you know in some in some fields, not all, in fact, very very few. It's the minority, not the majority. We're doing a good job with conservation. And like this is I don't know the full recovery story of the finless porpoise, but it looks like a little bit of recovery is taking place. And that's that's great. Oh, any idea why why they would have evolved to not have a dorsal fin? Any any speculation? Um, I think and I'd have to I'd have to double check this. And given my my very limited Internet up here in Alaska, I don't have the this for sure. But I know that, you know, it's. In the, let's talk turtles for a second here. In the turtle world, you have hard-shelled turtle and soft-shelled turtle, right? Now, why would a turtle, the thing known for having a hard shell, evolve to be soft, right? It had to sacrifice that for something. Mm. And I think what the commonly accepted theory with them is soft-shell turtles came about because they're so fast, they're the fastest turtles of the freshwater turtles, that they had to shed that weight of the hard, mm. hard shell. Mm. So now their defense is not being having walking around in a heavy suit of armor, but rather being the cheetah of the turtle world and zipping (laughs) away from the predators at lightning speed. And I believe the same is the case with the finless porpoise, where they're actually a faster porpoise for not having that dorsal fin, and it allows them to be quicker in short bursts, which is, you know, an evolutionary adaption for that animal. The dorsal fin's a steering mechanism, right? It helps them be more agile and make sharper turns. So these guys are just like, fuck it, I'm going to be all over the place, but I'm going quick. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah, wiggling I think, and wobbling I think there's everywhere. Some truth to that, yeah. 
Yeah, and I think in a straight line, you know, they're probably, I don't know this for sure, like I said, but my guess would be based on their anatomy, in a straight line, I bet they're faster than any other porpoises, losing the drag of that additional fin. Mm-hmm. Um, in the video, they're just they're described as a small bathtub sized creature. I I think it's funny that somebody decided to describe them as bathtub sized in the. It's, actual it's nothing. Video. That's nothing. Bathtubs are they wildly in different size. size. <laughs> yeah, whose well, bathtub? It's a bathtub <laughs> size, like Donald Trump's bathtub. It's probably right. the size of a swimming pool. It'd be like if you saw a rodent, you're like, "How big is it, was the rodent?" You're like, "Ah, oh, the size of a Wi-Fi router." It's like, Wait, what? That doesn't help me. <laughs> All right, so guys, I um, have a guest for us this week. Ooh, who is? I was it? I was sipping and, my yingling. Yeah. I almost choked. Yeah. I was so surprised. It's that exciting. What, that forest actually Um, did some preparation for once? And by preparation, you mean sent a text exactly (laughs) 15 minutes before the podcast started. Um, What do we got? Yes. So we got my buddy Jordan Mayshock, a longtime friend, um, but more notable than he is a friend, he is an excellent spear fisherman. In fact, I would say he's the only person, probably in the world, that's ever shot a yellowtail bigger than mine on the California Channel Islands. Um, we've traveled to like 12 different countries together, speared fish all over. Um, Jordan's got an interesting story because he used to be a big game hunter and then switched into sustainability. So wow. someone who is more about harvesting food um, and like not caring about trophies and more about getting fish to eat and meat to eat. And uh, it's a cool dude. So let's ring him up. No need to ring. This isn't 2001, mate. He's on. This, this is quite the uh, <laughs> intro for Jordan. So I've never met Jordan before, but... I'm looking at him, and you just introduced him as a world-class big game hunter turned spear fisherman and sustainable food guy. I'm looking at a nerd. I'm looking at Donald Trump Jr.'s doppelganger right here. (laughs) Dude, that's the worst (laughs) insult I've had in years, actually. I don't know if I want to stay on the show after that. Very handsome. (laughs) Jordan, welcome to our podcast. This is how you are treated when joining us in our conversations. If I'm getting shoved in the pool, Uh, I'm dragging you in with me. Get ready. Oh, yeah. Trying to get you. That's what we want. He's a nerd. So, Jordan, tell us. Tell us, how'd you first meet Forrest? Anything interesting there? Um, yeah, it definitely wasn't my freshman year as Forrest just lied. Um, I, uh, <laughs> we, we haven't... I was going on a spearfishing trip to Mexico with a couple of my friends. It was for sure freshman year, you dipshit. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> what year was it? I, I, buy, I believe Jordan. Uh, it was at least junior year because I know what house I no was living way. in and we were not in the dorms. No way that's accurate. Um, Please continue. Either way, I don't think Forrest knows where he's at right now. So <laughs> Yeah, I don't know this clown at all. Um, I know regular people and we're all going on a spearfishing trip down to Mexico. And the day before someone's like, Oh, I got a guy who spears. He wants to come along and we're all 19 or 20. And so it's like, yeah, it's no problem. We can change all of our plans to accommodate this guy. Further supporting my fact that it was freshman year. Ah, math. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Oh, this is how it's going to go for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> this guy just walks up like he owns the world and is like, Hey, yeah, I want to come with you. I love to spearfish. And then we agreed. And so this guy came on the trip and was just a general nuisance the whole time. <laughs> um, sort of guy where we all go out in the water and like we're on the boat and like okay well should we jump in right here like okay let's get ready and Forrest like cool I'm already ready and just jumps in the water and like big belly flop and starts swimming around we're all like okay cool I guess there's no fish left and just everywhere we went <laughs> that has dick. been Forrest for 10 years now. Oh, okay so I was gonna ask you are you just giving him a hard time because it's fun to or was is he like was that legit? Oh, like first time he. This is a one hundred percent. Everything I just said is true. Yeah, spear fishing is competitive. All right, if you're not the first guy in the water, you're you're wasting time. But you scared all the fish <laughs> away, is what he's saying, with your big belly flop that you did. Did he have a big no. belly as well, or was it just a big belly flop? Well, yeah. I mean, we love talking no. about you know pre TV forest being pretty girthy. <laughs> It's it's so funny because I can tell Forrest <laughs> is going to catch a ton of shit in the next 10, 15 minutes. And I, oh, really? I, what gives you that idea? I, I happen to know that you've had an incredibly stressful day. So I'm, I'm going to be interested to see if you can handle it or if you just smash your laptop to bits. I might just get up and walk out and leave <laughs> yeah. it to you guys. I have, no, I have no patience for this. Forrest, how many, how many spearfishing world records are you purported to have? I have six. Jordan, how many do you have? Oh, none. Not in hmm. for the glory. Not a big glory hog <laughs> like Beardy over here. But he he has speared the biggest fish that anybody has out of your group. No, the biggest no, yellowtail. That's, that's biggest yellowtail. Yeah, so the California Channel Islands where I live, Jordan 
uh, when he was still living in California, he used to come down all the time. We'd go out spearfishing there. And the biggest tro- trophy out there is the yellowtail. And Jordan caught, shot an enormous one one day on the backside of the island. 44 pounds, if I remember correctly. Wow, Jeez. that's huge. How deep yeah. are you when you get that, when you get a 44-pounder? Um, probably like 30 or 40 feet. And that wasn't a Jeez. deep dive. That was a pretty mellow. Like, we were just kind of yeah. floating around, and I saw it and dove down, and he saw me and swam up to check out what I was, and that was a problem for him. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a gimme, there, man. You there just... was no – oh, absolutely. There was no great stock, and, like, this wasn't some super complicated thing as much as I'd love to tell that story. It was definitely me just diving down and this thing swimming up like, oh, what are you? And me going, oh, okay. The funniest part of that story is after Jordan did shoot this this horse of a yellowtail – um i looked up and it was it was dragging him out to sea at top speed he was like uh-huh. wakeboarding behind this thing and uh i was like nice one man you got a good fight and he's like shoot it just shoot it really <laughs> i'm not gonna shoot it yeah it was dragging him Wait, straight out so to you, sea. you could have went and helped him and you didn't yeah <laughs> you have to understand the dynamic of our friendship here Forrest, if we ever find ourselves in a situation where i'm asking you for help be prepared for him to just look over at you and wave yeah please just do it <laughs> okay deal <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think if that situation has arised on one of our shoots or not it probably has i'm sh- oh yeah when i thought i was dying in the galapagos and i came crawling to your bunk to ask you for for help as the <laughs> medic oh yeah that's wait, right that was wait what funny. happened with that <laughs> Dude, we just gotten out to the Galop- to the super remote island of Fernandina in the Galapagos. Mm-hmm. We go to bed on this shitty boat that's listing to the right at a 45-degree angle, and we're <laughs> going to get up in the morning to do the big hike yeah. um, You know, on a 110-degree volcano, and the last thing you want to be is sick. And I wake up, and it feels like I've swallowed <laughs> a bag of glass shards. Oh, yeah, that's right. And so I just lay with it for about an hour and it gets worse and worse. Oh man. And I, so I go up forest is just sleeping out under the stars on the deck. And it was, it felt like a little kid climbing into his mom's bed. <laughs> I literally, I was just like forest help. He was so polite too. He like gently nudged me on the shoulder. He's like, no, I, are you awake? well, first I kissed your lips. <laughs> See if that I wakes mean, you up. <laughs> but, uh, then you gave me some sort of magic pill. I went to sleep and woke up four hours later, as if it had never happened. I don't even that's, remember what you gave me. Did, did he unzip his pants before he gave you the pill? Was there a zipping noise? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Up, I, it was, yeah, it, it was more of a liquid. And like I said, it's a magic <laughs> oh, yeah. liquid. All you have liquid. to do is close your eyes and suck it out of a hose. Yeah, it doesn't matter <laughs> what it is. It worked great. <laughs> yeah. Magic <laughs> liquid. So, Jordan, what's your, uh, what's like your top story from spearfishing with Forrest, like your, your, your favorite memory or the one where he did the most obnoxious possible thing. The one that's going to make him sound and look a real bad. Well, the biggest thing is Forrest is like presented as this expert who knows how to do everything. And he's been presenting himself that way since he was a child when he knew, didn't know what he was doing. (laughs) And I guarantee he doesn't know much more now than he did then. So two times I should have died because this asshole told me he knew what he was up to and clearly didn't. We're going out to the Channel Islands where I shot that yeah. yellowtail. Mm-hmm. We're on our way out, and there's you know supposedly weather coming in, and we're like, ah, oh, we're looking at the forecast. You know, waves aren't that bad. We're in like a 13 foot whaler. Forest that 13 footer. <laughs> 15. It was 15, but tiny, way too small of a well, boat to be crossing the channel. Well, 15 with an So the actual boat's yeah. 13, right? It was tiny. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going out there, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we're expecting some pretty big waves later on. We go all the way out. We do our day of fishing, and we're out there looking back across. I think a 20 mile crossing or so. And it's mm-hmm. just 24. horrid white caps. Oh, like, man. It's bad. And apparently we had been diving protected by the island the whole time and not seeing the wind coming in and the storm coming in. And so you look mm-hmm. back and we're like, so me and the other guy who don't know boats very well are like, hey, man, we should probably just shelter here. And I was like, no, 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 we're, we can make it back. Don't don't stress, guys. Super easy. Oh. I'm like, okay, no big deal. Man. And so we start cruising back. And this story has made me look up facts about boats. Because I couldn't properly explain how stupid it was to try and make it back. <laughs> We're literally maybe a mile from the island with 19 to go when the Coast Guard's radioing like, small craft advisory, any boats under 30 feet, please pull in. Just yeah. shelter wherever you are. Do not try and make it across the crossing. And Forrest's like, they do that all the time, man. Don't no, worry about it. We're going to be fine. Forrest just looks at you and goes, bro, I got this. We're good. It's basically, he just looks like, don't be a bitch. We're going to be fine. Like, yeah, man, the waves, what a bitch. Meanwhile, so, you're just like, gulp. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, this no, guy knows point, I still think he knows what he's about. So I'm like, oh yeah, Forrest <laughs> probably right. Those guys are pussies. We're gonna be fine. And so another like We're two miles alive. later, we are in at least ten foot waves. Oh, oh my yeah. god. Oh, we yeah. are riding Jesus. waves up and down like like we're going up and down mountains in the boat and like a rubber ducky in a bathtub. And so I've had to look this up. And apparently, statistically, any wave that's 40% the length of your boat. So if you're in a 100-foot boat, a 40-foot wave is considered the absolute maximum you can take side on. Oh. And at 60% of the length of your boat, waves even head on are likely to swamp or flip your boat. Like literally oh, head over heels, cartwheel your boat. Oh. We're in a 13 to 15-foot boat in 10 foot waves, which means you get like six and seven foot waves, but you also get some 12 and 15 foot waves. Right. So we're just a bunch of idiots floating around in a bathtub, chopping around on our way back. The best part actually, his other buddy, Tommy, who knows much less about boats than even I did, is in the very front, the worst place you can be on a choppy boat, gripping both railings for dear life. Like he's in the absolute point in the bow of the boat, looking over his shoulder with this giant shit-eating grin, like this is the most exciting thing he's ever seen. And Forrest and I are in the back. And at this point, Forrest is admitting privately, oh my God, we might have to swim it back. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> it was getting really bad. Don't know if we're going to oh make God. it. And the we we broke through a number of waves. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Yeah, first best time I ever saw them. Dead center, 10 miles from shore, 10 miles from the islands. We're just cruising up and down waves, but all of us have filled our wetsuits with shit by now. And we are <laughs> looking off to the side because the waves are coming at us at an angle, not head on. So we have to constantly be staring oh, off to the side of the boat. Dude, oh, yeah, it's so great. scary, man. So brutal. It's brutal. We're all looking off to the side and all of a sudden are tube fins. True story. And Forrest, being the expert mariner he is, immediately lets go of the wheel. Oh, my God. <laughs> jumps to the left railing of the boat and goes, great whites, great whites, look, 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 great whites. <laughs> like it's the coolest thing he's ever seen. And now we're just in a rudderless boat floundering in the waves with two great whites <laughs> circling oh my around God. us, checking out the boat to see if there's food. They were as big as the boat, too. Dude. So it's at this point, you didn't know that Forrest had the mental deficiency where he doesn't feel fear or anything like right. that. I mean, you knew this. after this, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Was... These discoveries were made later. Dude, so for people that don't, uh, you know, aren't experienced seamen or spear fishermen, the sideways it's wave. It's pronounced semen. It's pronounced semen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The sideways Zebra. wave is utterly <laughs> terrifying. Like, that's the right. one where you, that, that kills you. Have you guys seen. Um, there's a YouTube video of something called the Dropner wave. No. Okay, so you you know the concept of a rogue wave, right? Yeah, certainly. Just a massive freak wave that's you know more than double the size of the average wave height, right? Uh, yep. It's sort of in this thing that sailors and 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 experienced you know people on the ocean have talked about for years, but we only discovered proof of it uh, in 1998 with a Dropner mm. wave. There's a video of it on YouTube. It's this oil platform. It's getting smashed by 30-foot waves, and all of a sudden, this 90-foot wave comes up, and, and it's on video. Ooh. It is the scariest thing you will ever watch. <laughs> like, you, you got to watch it. Like, you'll have nightmares about it. Where does this take place? What, uh, what it's country o- is it? Off in? the coast of Norway, there's a uh, oil platform called the Dropner Platform, and it, it was getting smashed. It just engulfs the platform? It's fucking unbelievable. Dude, you see it coming, oh, wow. and it's like... it. The video puts the fear of God in <laughs> Would you rather die via like turbulence than plane crash or on a boat that's getting just pummeled by waves than, and great whites are circling the boat? Plane crash plane for crash. me. Absolutely yeah. plane crash. I'm, okay. I'm really surprised that Patrick went with the plane crash. because I have flown with Patrick many times and he is not a fan. Like no. he doesn't like it. He's the guy that rolls up the window shade when there's turbulence <laughs> to see what we hit. <laughs> every single bump my entire life has he ever done that thing where he just like slips his hand on your thigh and squeezes it's already there has he done that don't to you don't you worry about what we're doing when we're yeah. flying all right yeah. peter you just you just no he does that to all the guys there. he's done that to me even <laughs> there's a reason he always picks a middle seat it goes on in first class stays in first class pal <laughs> the plane rides great because you you the turbulence hits plane's going down you've got a solid minute where you're like there is no doubt about what's about to happen and it's going to end instantly I've got one minute to think about everything that was great in life and shitty in life, or maybe send a text message if I suddenly get service on the way down or whatever it is. The <laughs> boat, it's going to flip, and you're just going to spend a half an hour getting beat to shit by a wave, choking and gurgling, and then eventually, maybe, if you're lucky, you're going to get ripped in half by a shark to speed things <laughs> you're up. You're lucky. 
So, yeah. so what you're supposed to do is if you're in a ship and you see a wave that's going to capsize the ship coming towards you, what you're actually supposed to do is you take the flare gun and you shoot it down your throat and kill yourself. <laughs> that's, the, that's the protocol. Excellent. That's, that's what Tommy and I were fighting for while Forrest was on the railing looking at Sean. Yeah. <laughs> Arm wrestling over the flare gun. Um, so the thing I'd like to get into with Jordan today, other than just make fun of my, my stupidity, so is... You know, Jordan comes from, Jordan grew up in a hunting family. He used to take hunting trips to Africa. And now he, and he still hunts, and as do I, we, we both spearfish together for, for meat um, mm-hmm. and not for trophies. And Jordan has switched from this big game hunting mentality to someone who is all about sustainability. He buys sustainably for the meats that he eats. He shop, you know, he shops sustainably for vegetables and groceries. And then he goes out and harvests his own fish for protein, which is, of course, the most sustainable way of doing it, spearfishing with zero bycatch. So right. I'd like to just, you know, jump into that for a second as the as the biologist nerd of the group. And Jordan's Jordan's an honorary broologist today. Um, yeah, great, I just think it's, great it's, calf it's, muscles, by the way. He just stood up to get himself some more whiskey. He, he's got great calves. Jordan, yeah, Jordan tell us uh, about the mentality shift that you had when... Uh, Why did you put a U in yeah, that word? Because that's, Mon- that's how you said it. It's on rec- record. It's not. I, let's, Forrest let's wind did it back. not say that. You <laughs> said, said mentality. 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 So my question for you, Jordan, for, for our listeners, is what made you switch from big gain hunting? Big, see, there I said gain, so Ooh, there bootcraft. you won that one, Peter. Um, bootcraft. Uh, what made you switch from big game hunting and trophy hunting to being all about sustainability and harvesting protein that's important to you? Um, it, I think a misperception about big game hunting is what made me really like it. Like when you grow up and people tell you about cool, tough, manly things to do, hunting is one of those things. People talk about like, mm. oh, you're going to go out and you're going to shoot a lion and that's like so crazy. And so as I grew up in that environment thinking that hunting is just awesome because it's manly and cool. And so it was always, you know, what's the bigger thing you can shoot? What's the more dangerous thing that you can shoot? And then somewhere around like high school or yeah, right around high school, I realized like, this is real easy. Like you get within three, 400 <laughs> yards of something is not tough. They're animals. They don't expect you to be able to do anything from that far away. And if you're a decent mm-hmm. shot, you just sit there and shoot it. And then you walk over and like, cool, got him. And it's just mm-hmm. not a complicated or difficult thing. It's just harvesting. And anyone who thinks that right. they're really tough because they can shoot a deer needs to go fuck off. So <laughs> at, at that point, like, you know, I liked hunting. It's still a fun activity, but I wasn't going to do it just for any bragging rights or trophies on the wall because it, that's, it's just dumb. It kind of points out how much you value your ego over reality to have a big deer on the wall that you're so proud of. Hmm. I'm assuming your mom and dad or at least one of them hunted and that's how you got into it. Yep. Dad was a big hunter. You know, I grew up going to zoos, you know, animal lover had pets. Feeding meerkats um, with uh, jujubes or whatever. Yeah. We go on yeah. vacations, we do whale like watches, I. whatever. <laughs> so I loved animals. Did did growing up hunting, did it keep you from like developing like a care for animals? Like were you the guy who... Oh, definitely not. Instead of petting a cat, you give it a little kick into the pool? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great image, but no. Um, no, I think that, and I think this is common among most hunters. Hunters at least from in my experience, have a, a super big attachment to animals. Like we are very fond of animals, caring for animals, caring for the environment where the animals live. The hunting is a cool activity. And yes, it ends with shooting something, but anyone who eats meat can fuck off if they think hunting's bad because, mm-hmm. you know, the animal that you're eating lived in a cage its whole life in its own piles of shit before someone finally put it mm-hmm. out as a mercy killing. So if you eat meat and you think hunting's bad, you need to reevaluate. Most hunters love the environment. They love wildlife. I grew up loving animals. I grew up on a farm. We had several dogs, more cats than I can count. We had emus at one time. Like Animals were my life. It's just nice. that part of having animals and living on a farm is that animals die and you eat them. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's play a game. Let's pause for one second. Let's play a game. Peter, what's an emu? <laughs> it is I love the this. large bird. <laughs> That is uh, featured in Final Fantasy VII, the video game. God damn it. Wait. He, only because he's played a video game Dude, does he know the answer No, that. last week you said the giant Moa was featured in Final Fantasy. I was corrected via our social media, and somebody <laughs> told me exactly what it was, what I was going for, and I thanked them. Thank you. So you know what an emu is because of this podcast. So you, you made an incorrect statement. One of our listeners corrected you correct through social media yep. thus you are more intelligent due yes. to our podcast this is that podcast correct? has changed my life just wow. in one week 
So (laughs) quick emu side leg. There was a a kid named Jason Davis, my senior year in high school, and he wore this brown, like, like, I don't know what it was. It was this brown furry vest and we called it the emu. And one day at lunch, he was flicking individual peas at me with his spoon and hitting me in the forehead. And I told him that if he flicked one more pea, I was going to hack a loogie on his emu. And he did. And I did. And he punched me the hardest I've ever been punched in the kidney. And I thought I was going to die because I spit on the emu. I love hearing any story where you get punched. They're always a good story. Man, that was a rough kidney shot. So, Jordan, do you, do you still hunt as part of your sustainable uh, food sourcing or now? Uh, yeah, I I don't do it anywhere near as much as I used to because hunting is less fun to me than spearfishing. Spearfishing is more of like sure. an activity mm. and it's – you go somewhere cool. It's rare that you go somewhere shitty to spearfish. You usually go somewhere in the tropics and it's awesome. Um, and hunting yeah. when you're not successful is a whole lot like sitting somewhere and doing nothing and being uncomfortable in the cold, whereas spearfishing <laughs> and not being successful is just snorkeling. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Great point. Uh, so yeah, I still hunt. I don't hunt anywhere near as much as I used to. And nowadays, like I wouldn't try to go trophy hunting. I would get a tag for a deer somewhere nearby and literally the first deer that seemed appropriate, I would shoot it. I'm not trying to put a trophy on the wall. Frankly, I would rather not have some like giant 10 point buck walk by for me to shoot because I'm really just shooting it to put meat in the freezer. I'm not trying yeah, to like right. brag to my friends about it. That's one of the great things about spearfishing is that trophy hunting or the trophy hunting version of spearfishing is not incongruous with just regular spearfishing. When you shoot a bigger fish, that's just right, more exactly. meat. It's not like it goes exactly. on the wall, but doesn't taste good because the big ones taste like shit. Like, no, it's just more meat that goes in the freezer. So it kind of lets you, like, you're still trophy hunting. You're looking for the biggest yellowtail you can, but just because you're going to get more meat in the freezer for it. What's the most delicious fish you ever caught? Like when you ate it and you're like, this, this is the moment. This is the best fish I've ever tasted. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to say. That goes to you too, Forrest. I don't want other people to know about this. Um, I think what is it? I think I know what Jordan's gonna say, but my I think mine's gonna be different. Uh, honestly, Pacific cool. Amberjack, yeah, okay. so good because everyone's used to the Amberjack over in Florida, and they're just disgusting. Or they're not disgusting, but they're not good. Correct. And then on the Pacific side, you get Amberjack, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're Amberjack, they're shit." Wrong. The ones in the Pacific are completely different, and they're delicious, and they basically taste like Wahoo or something like that. Like they're you can eat them raw as pokey, like they're delicious. Damn. But they're Forrest, really good. Big and Forrest, stupid. can you explain that? Same species. Tell us, broologist. Tell us. <laughs> We're all so excited. Yeah. So there's two species of amberjack. There's Greater Amberjack and Pacific Amberjack, also known as Lesser Amberjack, and the the greater ones that live on the Gulf of Mexico are they get bigger. They're heavier they're full of worms and for whatever Ew, reason fucking yuck they're fl- yeah they're Blue. not they're not yummy and their their flesh Ugh. is not nice but the pacific amberjacks which is what you get at a sushi restaurant when you order amberjack i think it's uh it's aji something like that i'm not sure but it's uh you, that's the kind you can get at the sushi restaurant because that same animal ranges from here in the eastern pacific where we are you know baja panama that area all the way over to Japan, mm-hmm. that animal is absolutely outstanding and very high quality. And Jordan and I have had the great fortune of going to Panama together, amongst a couple other places, Costa Rica and Mexico, where we've got them before. And uh, I think Jordan's always eyeballing those things wherever he can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. So what's your number one for us? Mine's Wahoo. I absolutely love Wahoo. Um, Where's Wahoo found? Is that also in the Pacific? It's pretty much worldwide, hmm. um, but in uh, in the temperate zone, pelagic, correct? Remember nice. that word, Peter? Nice. No, forgot. What is it again for our <laughs> listeners? Of course I remember. The type of emu? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jordan, can you take your shirt off, please? I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I thought the attire was locker room casual for these. Come on. Yeah, so that's my favorite. I, I love Wahoo. I think it's just delicious. And yeah. Nice. So yours wasn't a uh, a very large grouper in Madagascar? <laughs> uh, boy, we got to get Mitch to tell that story. He still doesn't believe it was in that cave to this day. Um, no, that was great. So we were, we were on a shoot in Madagascar, Extinctor Alive shoot, and we had... I wouldn't say an off day because we've literally never had an off day, but maybe an <laughs> off three hours and uh, <laughs> decided to hop in the water with my pole spear um, to try and feed the crew. And sure enough, this massive Malabar grouper went darting into a cave mm-hmm. and Mitch was with me and filming like he always does that fucking nerd. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just following me around <laughs> with a camera. And I go up, I'm Mitch, there's a big grouper in this cave. And he's like, let me go see. And he dives down and Mitch is, Mitch is not the best waterman. He's not terrible, but he's waterman. not the best. 
Yeah. And comes back and says, there's nothing in that cave. Long story short, we go down and uh, look in the cave, and I see it, and I let the, sh- let the spear fly, and the spear just goes shooting dark into the cave, and then still, and I come up, and Mitch is like, there's nothing in there, and then all of a sudden, the spear just starts to vibrate, and then zoop, just zoops, <laughs> zips back into the cave and disappears, <laughs> and we proceeded to re- spend the remainder of the four hours digging that thing out of that cave, but it did feed the entire crew after nice. that, and it was awesome. Um, hey, Jordan, so <clears throat> let's get back to the funny, and let's make fun of Forrest some more. What, if you could try and make him like turn red right now in embarrassment, uh, what what story would you tell about him after knowing him for all these years? Oh boy! For all of Forrest's like uh, being a big tough guy and having a giant beard to hide his chinlessness and like all that, <laughs> he chinlessness. cannot hold his alcohol at all. Like he will sit there and be like, "Oh man, I what is it?" Uh, Retep said this like. He'll have one white claw, but dude, I had like six white claws. I'm ripped. <laughs> so, I did say that pre-recording. <laughs> so we were on a, a spearfishing trip down in uh, Cedros in Mexico. We're on a 50-foot boat with like oh, eight boy. people. <laughs> and uh, halfway through the dive, like when you do these like seven-day dive trips, you, you blow your ears out if you dive too much. So there's a couple of like built-in days like, hey, no diving this day. Let's all just give our ears a rest because the constant pressure changes hurts them. So we have our rest day and someone goes into town uh, while we're docked and comes back with a bunch of just really shaggy Mexican weed. Oh boy. He's and turning so we red. Get back on the boat and it's just <laughs> So it's just mandatory we're going to have some of this terrible Mexican weed because we're all in the middle of nowhere and why not? And so we all get high and we all realize immediately that Forrest doesn't know how to be high at all. Correct. Like just <laughs> not even a little bit. And so we're all just talking having a good time and finally we realize like hey, where, where's Forrest? And we look around and Every single item that was loose on the deck of this giant boat is now piled into one corner. And Forrest is shuffling around with his head down, his hands all T-Rexed, and just walking up to anyone to try and take something from them and go collect it into his little hoarding corner. To the point where he was trying to take beer bottles out of your hand to go set them on his little trophy pile. I was cleaning up. Are you building a nest? <laughs> He's building Someone a nest! He's collecting bits of string. Like he was a dog. That <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I don't... Oh I remember God. this, and I remember my thought process was that I was cleaning up, but apparently I was just hoarding. <laughs> from the from the outside Super perspective, you were building a fucking pterodactyl nest. Uh, it's God, that, or once it's again, in Costa Rica, we managed, for his bachelor party, actually. We're in Costa Rica for Forrest's bachelor party, and Forrest is not allowed to say no, so we give him a bunch of alcohol, <laughs> and we make him smoke some weed, because it's Costa Rica. And uh, the rest mm-hmm. of us being reasonable mm-hmm. people, like, cool, we're going to sleep now. It's, you know, we're not doing anything. It's five guys in a condo. We're not going to, like, we're not going to party anymore. There's no one else here. We're calling it. And if we're like, no, I'm going to go exploring. I'm going to go in the jungle. And we're all just like, cool. This was like 3.30 <laughs> yeah. in the morning. Oh, right yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, none yeah. of us can see straight. And Forrest, we're, we're assuming he's going to fall asleep in the stairwell and we'll just find him in the morning. <laughs> so Forrest goes off and we all go to sleep. I'm passed out in one room and one of the other guys in the other bed in that room. And however many minutes or hours later, the door gets kicked open and just slams against the wall. (laughs) And Forrest walks in, shirt off, holding a pillowcase with some writhing, pissed off creature in it. And just goes, you got to come to the living room where I'm releasing the mystery bag. And then walks out of the room. (laughs) And Forrest has, since he's a little kid, like all of us, has looked up to Steve Irwin and basically just wanted to be him. So wherever we go, he goes off and catches things and brings them back and tells us about them and then sets them off in the wild after taking a bunch of pictures. So I'm assuming he caught like some special type of turtle or frog or something, because what else can you catch in the Costa Rican jungle at 3 a.m. when you can't walk? And we walk out there and Forrest lets loose this pillowcase. And it is a, you know, correct me, Forrest, a... Mexican tree porcupine? Correct. Correct. That's horrifically unhappy. How big was this thing? This is Huge. probably like a 15-pound animal. Like a regular porcupine. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Are you out of your fucking mind? You released a oh, wild porcupine into a room with four other dudes? Into a rented in- condo. Yeah. Into a condo in Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah. At which point, he declares victory. Like, all right, that's what I caught, my guys. And that's the end of it. And we now have a porcupine to deal with. Wait. How does the story end? With the porcupine. Let's please continue, Jordan. Uh, we eventually herd it into a bathroom and then herd it furthermore into yep. the shower and just kept closed it in the shower because <laughs> none of us are the you know junior Steve Irwins. So we're just like, oh, hopefully he'll wake up and sober up and know how to deal with this because I don't know what to do with an angry porcupine. 
and that bathroom never smelled the same. Yeah, so I they wake me up the next day, and he's like, "Dude, you got to get this porcupine out of our bathroom. I gotta go piss." So <laughs> <laughs> the next day we wake up, and I I really was not nearly as capable of handling this thing sober as I was completely blacked out, <laughs> and uh, bag up this porcupine back into the pillowcase. And, and keep in mind the part of the story that you missed is I actually took, and this part I shouldn't admit, a golf cart from our condo and caught this thing crossing a freeway. So I, in my mind, thought I was doing it a service by bringing it back, you know, because it was it was on the freeway. <laughs> the part of that that doesn't add up is why I was on a freeway hammered at 3 a.m. on a golf in cart. In a golf cart. But, <laughs> no, no, that makes perfect sense, No, true, actually. true story. True but, um, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so, so the next day we get it out of the bathroom and take it off, because we were in, in, like, a hotel. We took it out into the jungle and released it and... Uh, it was fine. It was a little shook up. It was definitely better than it had it been mowed down on the freeway. I'm sure it wasn't expecting a guy to run it down in a golf cart and bring it back <laughs> to a condo. That's, I mean, I've never heard any bachelor party story like it in my life. I'm sure nobody ever has. You've released a wild <laughs> it's right animal. Out of the, it's right out of the hangover. <laughs> yeah, that's where they got it from. They got it from fucking Forrest. Actually, that same, no, different trip, but that same thing is how Forrest manages to almost kill all of us. <laughs> He goes off in the woods in the middle of the night while we're like, oh, we're going to sleep. And he's like, no, I'm going to go catch stuff. I'm like, okay, dude, like, come on, be normal. We all go to sleep. And I wake up and there's a jar on the coffee table in the living room. And I'm, I'm the early person. So I'm up at like 545. I walk out there. I'm like, I'm going to make my coffee, have some quiet time before the idiots get up. Oh, what's this, what's this jar? And there's like a cloth on it. So I pull the cloth off. And some rattlesnake just smashed no, the glass trying to bite me? through. Wasn't it in the oh, fridge? Yeah. What Jordan, the fuck? Jordan, had I put it in the fridge? No, it was okay. on the coffee table. It That's ended right. up in the fridge because right. we had to release That's it. Right. We were scared of it because we are Dude. in rural-ass Mexico. There is no hospital anywhere nearby. If it bites us, we are dead. And Forrest somehow in the middle of the night caught it, put it in a jar, and left it on the table like a big <laughs> mason jar. Can you explain, so, Forrest, why, why putting it in the fridge would I be can. helpful? I can. Um, Yes, yeah, so so I remember all of this. Jordan was not very pleased when I woke up after that. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm finishing oh. this story too. Oh, all right, all right, all right, continue, continue. Oh no, you can explain why we put it in the fridge, but when it came out, it tried to murder me. I just don't want people to think you were putting a snake in the fridge to be mean. It, you don't need a broologist to tell you that a snake is cold blooded and it will slow its metabolism down. So it there's doesn't no move. way even you knew I know this. that. There is no oh, way. Of course, yeah, I knew that. Go- he just and I'm the, that was he just quick googling. <laughs> there's no googling. I want to hear the rest of this fucking story because this bachelor party is bonkers okay, please please continue he's he's so, not wrong so then we're gonna release it because every time we catch something silly like this it, it goes back into the wild and so for like well if we're gonna release it somewhere let's put it in a cooler the jar the whole jar is going in a cooler with some ice and we're going to presumably cool this snake down so that it's a little bit more calm because it literally spent the whole morning fully poised to strike rattling and smacking the glass if we were anywhere near it so like we're like we don't want it to hurt its fangs so we all just stay out of the living room because of his fucking snake we finally put it in the cooler with some ice to calm it down and drive it off to let it loose and so we drive off into the in the middle of the desert and we finally open up the cooler and the jar had opened and oh mr God. snake is floating around in ice water oh not good for cold-blooded animals right so we grab it take it out set it down on the like 110 degree sand in the middle of the desert and we're looking at it and we're just watching this limp snake like, good God, did we accidentally just kill this thing? And like slowly it starts coming back to life like, yes. He's Once again, up. this was a rescue to be clear. This was inside of Jordan's uh, family's, they, they have a development down there and the snake was in the development. So it starts coming back to life and Forrest being the excited guy he is for wildlife is like, I'm going to take some really cool photos of it because we got this snake and he's really docile right now because he's half frozen. I'm going to take some cool photos. So he sits on the ground, starts propping up photos and then he's like, hey Jordan, I need you to get its attention. I want it to like, be looking at the camera. So he draws a line in the sand and says, don't cross this line because it can't strike any farther than that. So stay on this side of the line, but like wave your hand at it, get its attention, like smack the ground. Like, okay. <laughs> and this is like right after college. So I'm 22. I don't know shit about snakes at this point. And so I start waving you still at think it. think Forrest's an expert? Exactly. I am he not. He claims to be an expert and says, no, no, you're good. It can't strike this far. So I start waving my hands in front of it and <laughs> It gets pretty pissed and it's starting to get back to its usual, you know, coffee table. I'm going to eat you self. <laughs> and I swing my hand and it strikes and it comes over the top of my hand, six inches past where the edge of my pinky is and lays across my, like the back of my hand, which I immediately rip out from under it. Like, oh my God. And Forrest just looks at me with no apologies, no nothing, and just draws a new line eight inches farther and goes, okay, that line now. <laughs> like it was no big deal. 
Although you definitely almost died because I don't know how far this snake can strike. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, with that said, we should probably wrap this up because Forrest obviously tried to kill you several times, is not an expert. We've learned much about him from Jordan, and I appreciate all of it because it gives me a lot of fodder to make fun of his big, stupid head. What is it with you and my big head lately? I'm gonna, it's, it's, it's really giant. ridiculous. I'm gonna what beat the fuck you are up. you talking about, tiny head? <laughs> What are you babbling about? <laughs> your head is tiny, like a I pin. Perfectly... Insecurities about your head, Ritep. There, I feel like. You're yeah, gonna... yeah, it's really weird. Whoa, getting ganged up on by the three of yous. <laughs> Perfectly normal sized heads all around. I think so. They're, they're weird. They're all weird. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on uh, the Wild Times and shitting on me relentlessly for the last twenty minutes. Um, most enjoyable, and I will see you for our Fourth of July party. You are more than welcome, and I can't think of a guy that deserved it more. <laughs> see you, dude. <laughs> Hey guys, what's up? Yes. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Get those hands pattering. I feel something coming. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh it's that time. I oh, got, oh, I got, pretty excited about this one. Oh, it's time for the battle royale. Boris <laughs> <laughs> nice. looks so disappointed, like I stole his. <laughs> line. It's time. You started talking over my thing. I was doing my thing, and you, you took it away from me. All right. Oh, shit. So this is one uh, our producer will kill came up with um so it's kind of a kind of a cool idea so the zombie apocalypse is upon us it's 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 you know covid 20 has come out and it's turning everyone into bloodthirsty zombies you you got to get out you can't be in the city you know you're you're gonna be dead Mm, shit so you have to pick and not not a uh, snake draft this time you just you just each we go one at a time okay you have to pick a location where you're gonna hide out to survive the zombie apocalypse Okay. But okay. instead of living in a house, you're not going to be at the Four Seasons. You have to pick a type of animal shelter. You know, animals Ooh. build amazing shelters in the wild. Mm. Uh, a type of animal shelter, a location, and then just for some fun, uh, one person that uh, it can't be your uh, your your wife or fiance or girlfriend. Uh, one person to ride it out with. All right. So an I animal like shelter, this. a location, and a human being to spend six months with while the rest mm. of the world burns. Okay, great. All right, Ritep, uh, right. since you know the least about any of this stuff, including people, why don't you go first? Um, all right, so now, is this the... Okay, all right, so I'm going to go with... I need to pick a shelter, some sort He's of already, animal shelter. He's it's, already it's, shitting it's, I'm on the spot. All right, so I love... I love fucking honey, right? I love honey. <laughs> you love having sex with honey? <laughs> or you just like that it. that is how you are Whatever. That, or you just I, enjoy I, it. I, I yeah. like mating with honey. I like, I like wiping it on my face and just eating nice. it and sloshing around in it. Yep. So okay. Okay. my shelter will be, I will command, that's right, because I can, I'm adding this superpower. I will command an army of bees to build me, a honeybees, a giant beehive that is big enough to fit me inside of it and I will go in there and eat honey and hibernate with the bees around me. They do self-quarantine when a virus is introduced into the hive. I learned that the other day. So if any viruses were to come, the zombie virus was to get in there, they would be staying far away from me and not spreading it. So I'd be safe in the beehive. And what a person! I needed to bring a person in there with me. Well, wh- but where not- do you want the beehive to be? What location? Okay, now that you're done with your 11 minute rant to get to the words beehive, <laughs> what? Um, we got to do make also, content, man. We got to we got to fill time. Uh, it's so also I, no coincidence be, that it's your uh, your. Never mind. I'd be what? <laughs> gonna I look like a bee? No, your mom's hairdo. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the podcast. That was terrible. Uh, All right, so, so my, where is this beehive and who's living in it with My you? beehive is located inside of a fucking cave. That's right. My beehive is inside of a cave that is fucking covered with spider webs at the front so nobody can get in it's the strongest type of fucking fabric that anybody can nobody could get in it zombies hate spiders fact also (laughs) and i would definitely take pat's fiance with me for six months into the beehive (laughs) well thank you because it sounds like you'll be safe because you know no one's getting through those spider webs (laughs) all right so i'll go next i am going to uh I'm going to pretty much right where Forrest is. I'm going to Prince William Sound area oh, no. in Alaska. Now, I'm going to go there for a lot of reasons. There are tons of Alaskan brown bear. They are huge 1,200-pound bears that stand five sure. feet at the hump. Um, 
I just don't think the zombies are, they're stupid, right? Zombies. Mm -hmm. So they're just going to walk right up to the bears to try and eat them. I've got built in protection. I've got a security team like this to make matters better for me and my survival. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I am going to live in the largest nest ever discovered of any bird. It was a, a pair of mating bald eagles that was discovered in St. Petersburg, Florida. They had a nest that was 10 feet wide wow. and 20 feet deep, right? <laughs> so it's basically like a giant salad bowl. Right. How are you um, going to get out of there when you need to get – what if a zombie oh, falls man. in? What if uh, one uh, falls in? No way. I'm going to be way up in a tree. There's Zombies cannot climb trees. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to get up there. I'm going to be super cozy. Um, mm-hmm. Who are you bringing with? Who do you think? Bobby Flay. Yeah. Oh, no, is, for real. Is it, is it Bobby Flay? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's, look, he's funny. He's sarcastic. I feel like, you know, I'll collect a bunch of grub worms and various things for him, and he will make us a stir fry <laughs> like you wouldn't believe. There you go. To recap, Peter's has like 14 different elements to it. That's right. But ultimately, <laughs> it's, a, it's a beehive with spider webs. Pat's fiance, and it's in a cave, but we don't know what country or location. Correct. Yep. All right. Got yeah, it. That, that's part yeah. of the. That's part of my protection plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You don't even know where it is. Right. Yeah. And, and Patrick, you've got a bald eagle nest. A nest huge, huge in the Prince William Sound. <laughs> huge. Yep. And uh, you guys are you guys are frying up bald eagle omelets with Bobby Flay on the reg. Exactly. No pun intended. Got okay. it. Right. Yep. Nice. Exactly. Nice. Um, so I am going to go to Palau, Micronesia, which is probably my favorite place mm-hmm. I've ever been. Tiny island nation where all zombies would have to swim to, or if they happen to occur there, I would fight them because it is a small island and there could only be so many of them. <laughs> and in Palau, there is incredible waterfalls, fresh water, tons of food and fish to hunt and, and eat and cool things. And I would live on this tiny island, tropical island nation, castaway style, in another nest. And I think this is far enough that it plays. It's the nest of the Baya weaver bird, which is this crazy funneling kind of woven construction that uh, has this big soft-looking hammock part to it that I could sleep in. And let's see. In my weaver bird nest in Palau, Micronesia, I would have with me... By the way, I'm looking at the bio weaver bird nest. It looks yeah. like something that a bunch of hipsters would sell on Etsy to hang up in, <laughs> your, it? in your kitchen. It's beautiful. It really does. Yeah. And so comfortable looking. It's cozy um, shit. Good for you. Thank you. I'm going to... I am going to enjoy the zombie apocalypse side by side with none other than the one... And only, damn it! I still haven't figured out who I'm going to pick. <laughs> so you want Bobby Flay? Because I'm thinking about trading him. Can no, I trade there's him? no, no. You keep, this you, is, that's, you keep Bobby. Yeah. Fuck. I always go. I always go really practical, but in this case, I'm thinking entertainment value. So I want someone who's just going to keep me yucking it up. And I think that person. Nope. You're weird. I think it'd be Adam Sandler. I just feel like he would make me laugh the whole time. Like he could just do his Jack and Jill shit, and one yeah. day he's a guy, the next day he's a girl. He'd be funny. Uh, he might be a little depressive sometimes, wow. but overall, he's just going to lighten the mood. Fucking yeah. terrible. That's awful. What I are you like talking it's not about? Because what, are you going to put a quarter in him like it's a jukebox? And he's just like, yes. you, you don't think he's going to be grim at try. all fucking laying in a no, beaver nest No, I think he's going to be great. And when we get done with Zombie Apocalypse, I'm going to be famous because he's going to make a straight-to-Netflix movie <laughs> yep. about our survival of living in a weaver bird nest on an island in Micronesia. Yep. That's a fact. Totally done. That's yeah, true. I feel yep. like he would be pretty fun. Like He'd just be like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, look, I know we're hungry and you know we're getting roasted by the sun, but you know, Adam, let's hang in there. And he'd just yeah. be like, shabadoo! You know, I don't know. <laughs> you know who's going to be <laughs> exactly. real fun, though, is Pat's fiancé in my beehive. If you know what I mean? You're you're a, you're a mean. You're a bad. Person. He is a quite not a nice person. What? Yeah. What do you mean? What are you talking about? I just meant we're gonna just... fucking be eating honey and sleeping on honey pillows and playing with the bees and shit. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, go to honeypillows.org to vote for whoever you. Well, that's you know that sounds honey good. Pillows. You can uh, you can always visit uh, honeypillows.org to vote for uh, Peter Rateps if yeah. <laughs> If you'd like to vote for, you know, anybody else's, check us out on iTunes. Uh, let us know whose Battle Royale is the best. If you'd like to live in Peter's Hive Cave, yep. Patrick's Eagle Nest with Bobby Flay, or hang out with me, 
The very funny Adam Sandler in a weaver bird nest in Micronesia. Let us know. Do it on iTunes. Do it on our social media at the Wild Times Pod. Hit us up. Guys, I got a jet. I'm going to go back out to doing what I do here in Alaska, yeah. chasing some animals around yeah, under the ice, getting cold. It's been nice to warm up and have a few yucks with you lot. And uh, this is the wild time. Yeah. Real quick before you go. Uh, also on YouTube now where you can comment and interact with the videos that are being posted of each podcast. So go there too. People are happy about that. Loving the fact that they can engage there. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, now get the we fuck out of YouTube. Yeah, 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 I didn't yeah, know. We have a YouTube. When do we get a YouTube? Dude, I'm doing things behind the scenes you don't even know about. I'm I'm famous now. All right, I'm out of here. Bye guys. Bye, Love man. you guys. Bye. Love you. Listeners, hate you too.